the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And I'm on. This is Dr. Bill, your radio MD. Welcome to the show. I got Brian with me this morning. Is that right? Good morning, Doc. You with me, bud? I'm here. I'm here. All right, so we're doing a radio show, Dr. Bill, your Radio MD, 9 to 10 a.m. every Sunday morning on WGUL 860 a.m. You can catch us on the Internet, on the web at drbillradiomd.com. Click Listen Live or go to theanswer.com and click Listen Live during our show. We also archive the shows, so you can pick those up through the station or through my website. And we are talking about a number of things this morning. Uh, we were talking about the vaccine just before the show, so I'm going to jump into that. And, you know, I was thinking, Brian, that uh, having some states locked down and some states not locked down is like having a peeing section in the swimming pool. It's not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> you got to keep them separated, Doc. Yeah, you got you to you gotta have two separate bodies of water and you don't, but that's okay. Uh, poor California and New York. Oh, my gosh. Those people are suffering, you know it? Yeah, I mean, so, it's tough out there. It's tough out there. So my next-door neighbor, Barbara, um, she has her granddaughter and her great-grandson visiting from North Dakota. And her granddaughter is an obstetric nurse up in North Dakota, delivering babies, you know, catching the kids and all that. And so we were talking about the vaccine, and she's afraid to take it. So I had to explain to her, as I've explained to dozens and dozens of people in, in person as well as thousands over the radio, uh, the way the messenger RNA vaccine, the mRNA vaccine works. Now, this is a vaccine that was developed by uh, Moderna and Pfizer, and they have basically they work exactly the same way. They're both uh, race cars that were made identically in the same plant uh, at the same time. It's from the Jenner Institute in England at Oxford University. It was isolated by a team there and licensed to all the companies in the world that wanted to make a vaccine. So this is one of the vaccines. And so what they did is they took this mRNA, this piece of genetic material that encodes for, that manufactures the spike protein on the virus, of the virus, and they wrap that up into a fatty molecule like cholesterol, and then they put an emulsifier on it. You know what that is, an emulsifier? What's that, Doc? That is a, a phospholipid, or a, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a chemical that one end will dissolve in fat and the other end will dissolve in water. And the reason you have to have that is because you've got a fatty molecule and you're going into a water bath, our bloodstream, and so it would just clump up if it was not emulsified. It wouldn't. It would just, you know, float or float around and and hook up with other fatty proteins, uh, fatty molecules, and it wouldn't be any any good. It wouldn't be effective. So you got to dissolve it in the bloodstream, 
then it's taken up by the dendritic cells, which are specialized white blood cells. Now, the dendritic cells then open up the package, and they actually take that piece of messenger RNA, and they lay it down on a ribosome, and a ribosome is like a little factory for making proteins. So that's how our body makes proteins that we need for muscle, for uh, kidneys, for all kinds of functions. We have to have proteins. And uh, so it lays it down on the, on the ribosome, and then the little carrier molecules bring in uh, amino acids, which are the building blocks of proteins, and it starts sticking them. You know, you have adenosine and cytosine and guanine, and you've got all these specific uh, genetic molecules that will hang on to an amino acid and start hooking them together. And then all of a sudden, you've got a spike protein. It's inside of a white blood cell. So what's this blood cell do? The little dendritic cell takes that and pushes it out on its membrane, on its you know outer covering, its saran wrap, so to speak. And that presents it to and makes it possible for T lymphocytes. It, it calls the T lymphocytes chemically. It's amazing these little cells talk to each other. And the little baby T lymphocytes come along and pick it up and start making antibodies, start that whole process of antibody manufacturing. Now, the thing that people are afraid of, especially the nurses, is that they think that this can get into your cell nucleus. The nucleus is the center of the cell, which also has a little membrane around it, and that's where your DNA material is. That's where your genetic information is. That's what tells that cell what to do and how to do it. But it can't. It can't get in there. First of all, it's broken down once it's, it's done making the protein, and secondly, it's a one-way street. So messenger RNA can get out of the nucleus and into the cytoplasm to manufacture uh, the proteins that the cell and the body needs, but it can't get back in. It, it, the, the membrane won't let it back through. It's, it's a one-way, it's, one, it's, a, it's a diode, so to speak. It's a one-way street. You can't get back in. So <clears throat> that means that this will not alter your genetic material. In addition, RNA doesn't interact in the in the way that we think of it as uh, splicing into the DNA, it will not splice into it. Even if it somehow got in there, it couldn't, it couldn't wedge its way into the DNA. It's not uh, configured properly. It's, uh, you know, it's like your left and right hand. So if you take your left and right hand, Brian, and you put them together, palms together, they look identical, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, now take it and put your... Put your right hand on top of your left hand so your thumbs are going the opposite ways. They're not identical. You see that? Yeah, no, not at all, not at all. It's so like sleeping. Cannot, it's like sleeping head to toe. If you're, if yeah. you know, two people are in the bed. Yeah, you can't, you can't uh, insert a piece of RNA into uh, a DNA chain inside of the of the molecule. So. It will not alter the genetics of, of the cell. It will not alter the genetics of babies, uh, pregnant women, nursing women. In fact, the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology came out with, let me, let me find that and I'll tell you what they said. Uh, the human trials, no, that's not it. I got it here somewhere, but I can paraphrase it without having to go to it. At any rate, the, the vaccine has been deemed safe by the American College of, of Obstetrics and Gynecology for pregnant and nursing women, and they should be told to take it unless there's some 
underlying medical condition that precludes that, such as an allergy to one of the uh, one of the ingredients in, in the vaccine, like propylene glycol, which is a solvent, and it's a solvent that's ubiquitous. It's used in food, it's used in medicine, it's used in everything. You can't get away from it, but some people do have a sensitivity to it, apparently. So, like any vaccine, uh, these have been tested. Uh, I would say Moderna and Pfizer together, Brian, have tested about 50,000 people. Wow. Now, the, the other vaccine that's out now, which is the weakened adenovirus that has been genetically modified to make the spike protein, it is extremely safe, too. It is not infectious to humans, so we inject that into your body. It gets into your system, and it doesn't get into the cells and do any damage. It just floats around in the bloodstream, and the baby T lymphocytes come along and say, you guys don't belong here, and they tag them and start making antibodies, and then that starts the whole process of antibody antigens hooking together, and then the, the white blood cells that eat up these uh, foreign invaders recognize them as foreign. So, you know, we're putting out the trash, basically, and then our white blood cells will eat up these, uh, these various foreigners that have invaded our system. So that seems to be pretty effective. Uh, overall, about 70% uh, with two doses, now, oddly enough, though, and I don't understand this, if you get a, a small dose the first time and then a bigger dose the second time, you get a better response. So apparently there, and there's been a big fight over in England, you know, they were c accusing some of the doctors and pharmacists of cutting the doses in half to try and, and make them go further. And I don't think that's what they were doing. But, you know, the press, they don't know what's going on. And the politicians, they're, they're just following what we tell them if they'll shut up and listen. Um, it's not easy to get them to listen to what we're trying to explain to them. But at any rate, these vaccines are extremely effective. And the AstraZeneca one, which Johnson & Johnson is also making the live weakened adenovirus, not a coronavirus, but an adenovirus, that one will come out in the United States in the next few weeks. The one that we're most excited about is Moderna's because you don't have to keep it at minus 94 degrees uh, to preserve it, where with the Pfizer you do, uh, that that molecule is a little more delicate than the one that Moderna manufactured to wrap the RNA in. So we've got a really good vaccine, and you can reconstitute it and leave it in the refrigerator for several weeks, and it'll still be good. And you can store, before you mix it, you can store it in the freezer, just an ordinary freezer that any pharmacy or hospital pharmacy would have. So we've, we've got this wonderful, wonderful vaccine. Now, all these vaccines can be made uh, in large quantities uh, relatively easily now that we have the technique down. And you got to remember, we just started working on these back in February, March. So that's pretty quick. We have never had a vaccine uh, come out this fast that I know of, and, and certainly not in my lifetime. Uh, and so it's, it's a real miracle, and, and I'm, I'm just I'm so excited about the whole thing. And by the way, I did have my first dose uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I'm scheduled for my second one in about 10 days. So I'm, I'm good to go. I had a little mild reaction, Brian. I had my arm hurt a little bit, and that was about it. That's what the I, second dose. Yeah, I was going to say I'm that's sorry. what I've heard. That's what I've heard from some of the people that have that have had it. They said that that's usually what they get. It's a little 
little soreness in the arm, and that's not bad. No, and I think that uh, what we have to remember, too, is that the second dose is going to cause more of a reaction because then you're going to, your T lymphocytes will really get stirred up. And once you get your whole immune system stirred up making antibodies, they also release inflammatory uh, chemicals, and uh, this will make you ache and give you fever, but it only lasts for a day or two. Big deal. You'll get over it. Uh, we got the. Uh, uh, the shingles vaccine a couple of months ago, the wife and I, and boy, we were we were miserable for a day. But yeah, you just take some Advil and you go about your business. Of course, the wife's a delicate flower; she had to take the day off, Brian. <laughs> 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 but, you know, the wonderful thing about this lockdown these past couple of hundred days is um, I've I've learned once more of all the things I've done wrong in our 20 years of marriage. It's just delightful to have <laughs> have, to have that quality time with the wife. <laughs> you, uh, uh, the, the, the list is growing, right, Doc? <laughs> it's growing. <laughs> and then uh, she also said, when is the social distancing going to be over? And, uh, you know, because I'm out in the garage, and so I want to know where I can come back in the house. <laughs> <laughs> She's got me corralled. <laughs> but this is a new approach to vaccines, the, the RNA. This is 21st century technology, essentially, and uh, it's very exciting, and it's very safe. And don't be afraid of it, and especially... Uh, the women who seem to be more afraid of it than the men, I tell you, there's so many nurses that do not want to take it, but they don't understand. They think that they're going to have some kind of uh, foreign alien DNA floating around in their system that's going to take over and cause them to morph into salamanders or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's pretty advanced, Doc. We were talking before the show, and it's really, it, it's really interesting that they've, you know, how far, you know, science and technology has come that we can get something in less than a year and to start, you know, helping people. Yeah. And, you know, I, th I think that what we have to keep emphasizing to people, uh, to the public and to our patients, uh, is that uh, like all vaccines, uh, this has been rigorously tested. It's safe. Uh, the only reactions we've seen are, you know, little aches and pains and fever. A uh, few people have been allergic to some of the ingredients, and even that we don't know because it's such a small number. This is not unknown technology, but it is relatively new. And uh, this does not contain any live viral particles, the, the mRNA vaccine. Now, the AstraZeneca is different, but the Pfizer and Moderna, there is no live uh, viruses in there. And uh, it never enters, the RNA never enters your nucleus of your cell and does not affect or alter your genetic material. It just doesn't do it. It can't. It's just not the way the biochemistry of organic life uh, works. It, it won't happen. So I don't want anybody to be afraid of this. And I do want you to take it seriously and, and to get it. <clears throat> and, you know, <clears throat> excuse me. Just because you don't understand it doesn't give you the right to put me at risk because you're still carrying the virus around, even if you're not that sick, and you come cough on me, uh, who's a guy in his early 70s with a few minor problems and who is at risk uh, for contracting the disease. 
and having a, a, a tough time with it. And one of the guys at the station contracted it, and uh, he was pretty sick for a week, and he's still feeling bad now. I sent him home. We got him, we got him through the acute crisis with remdesivir and steroids and blood thinners and all that. <clears throat> we know how to treat it. But still, he's going to be miserable for a few months. And this is no fun. This is no fun. It's interfering with all of our lives. And the best way to stop this is the way that we've stopped most diseases throughout history, and that's through uh, uh, understanding it, uh, watching the environment to make sure that we're not spreading it, and getting vaccinated. <clears throat> so this is important, and we want that to uh, continue on. We don't want you to stop and, and say, wait a minute, I don't want to do this. This is, this is not for me. <clears throat> So the adenoviral vectored vaccines, that's AstraZeneca and Johnson & Johnson, uh, they will work too. And again, they're about 70% effective with two doses. And a low dose, high dose seems to be more effective, gets you into the 90% range. So we'll probably end up splitting the doses in half and giving half a dose with the first go around and then a full dose the second go around. I don't know why that... Uh, Phenomena has happened, but it has, and so we'll we'll just have to take that at, at face value and and go along with what uh, what the researchers are telling us. <clears throat> so that's that's a big deal, and we want to make sure that everybody understands why uh, we're doing what we're doing, how it works, uh, who should get it, essentially everybody. When you should get it, you can go online and. And look up, and there are some websites you can go to. Uh, if you go to the Pinellas County Health Department or your county or state health department, you can find information on that, and it'll take you to another website on the uh, COVID-19 virus and, and what's going on and when you can get vaccinated and where. Now, a lot of the people in, in Pinellas County are older folks. We've got a, one of the largest senior citizen populations percentage-wise in the world here, Brian. And... Uh, we have probably the largest number of nursing homes per capita of any city in the United States. So we've got a big older, elderly population, and they are in the queue this coming week, this coming week. So you can go online, go to the Pinellas County Health Department, and look for the form, uh, look for how to sign up and get in the queue. And that's, uh, that's a great thing to do, and I've been preaching it to all of my neighbors. We have a mostly elderly population living in our our townhomes here, and I have been preaching this uh, for months to them, and they're listening, and that's good. We won't get them vaccinated, and they're even asking me, when can I get the vaccine? Are you going to have it in your office? At this point, I don't think doctor's offices are going to have it. That's probably a month or two down the road, Brian. We've got to uh, uh, control the flow of this initially to a certain degree, and so it's gone to hospitals, it went to pharmacies who then distributed it to nursing homes and, uh, and now it's going to the health departments for the senior citizens and those with uh, major medical problems like uh, diabetes, asthma, heart disease, obesity, things like that. <clears throat> so, you know, after two months of this staying at home, the dog looked at me like, See, this is why I chew on the furniture. I, I said, yeah, I'm starting <laughs> to understand that. I got it, you know. <laughs> oh, we got to get back to normal, Doc. We, you know, there's there's hope on the horizon, right? 
Oh, yeah. But, you know, the crazy politicians they're talking about in, in England and in California and New York about permanent lockdowns and permanent masks and all that, that ain't going to work. I mean, you know, it is not going to work. Human nature being what it is, people are going to get fed up and start uh, doing what they do, unless we're in China where they'll lock you up if you take your mask off. You know, it's a, it's one of those mandatory things, and if you don't do it, and I think that's what uh, the governors in New York and California tried to do, was say, you have to wear a mask, you have to do this, you have to do that. And did you see where they even said you can't have more than 10 people or whatever at church and you have to be six feet apart? And Supreme Court threw that out. Yeah, yep. They were saying out in California, I think it was like a month ago, that uh, you know when you were eating, you had to keep your mask on in between bites. I mean, that's imagine eating a plate of spaghetti in between bites with a mask on. That's That's pretty tough. And you know what? The studies show, and I've read a study, a good study out of China, that most of the of the spread of the disease is at home because, you know, you take your mask off, you let your guard down, you get close, you're uh, kissing and hugging, coughing and sneezing on each other, and that's where it's spread is at home. Wow. So Who the, would have thought? the only thing that Gavin Newsom said that made a lot of sense to me was, you know, don't go see your relatives at Thanksgiving and Christmas. It's probably a good idea uh, not to... Uh, you know, travel and, and visit relatives, because if one in, of 10 people has it, then they're going to potentially infect everybody. And although the death rate is extremely low, less than one-tenth of one percent, uh, we still don't want people in the hospital and then going home and convalescing for months and being miserable and scared to death. We don't want that. So we'll get that vaccine going. What do you say? You for it? I'm for it, Doc. You know, I'm going to get myself in the queue as soon as I can and, and you know, be part of part of that group. Yeah, <clears throat> I think that's a good idea. Well, I want to shift gears. Uh, we can talk about this some more after after we take a break. But I wanted to mention some of the things that are going on with China as as we get to the end of, of the Trump presidency. Uh, and, I, and, you know, it, it's uh, truly uh frightening that we have these socio-fascists that have been in charge in China now for decades, and, and we've got socio-fascists trying to take over in the United States. Uh, so we, we, we have to be cognizant of what's going on there. Now, the Uyghurs, is it the Uyghurs? Did I pronounce it right? I think that's right. Now, these are the people that uh, live primarily in northwestern uh China, up near the Russian and the Afghanistan and the whatever stand border is up there. <clears throat> and these people are primarily Muslims. And of course, China has had its problems with terrorism. They just don't, they just don't uh, publicize it because they don't want anybody to think that they're anything less than perfect. You know, they call themselves the Middle Kingdom. You know why? Why is that, Doc? because they see themselves as halfway between heaven and earth. So they think that they are the middle kingdom above everybody. And uh, they don't want anybody to think, uh, and this is not uncommon with the Mongolian cultures. My wife is the same way. She would never admit anything was wrong with her, never. I mean, she, unless she's really sick, and then she'll, she'll, uh, she'll let me know. But otherwise... She's perfect, and uh, saving face is a big deal. So this is this is something that precedes communism in China, but it's a big deal. At any rate, there is terrorism in China, 
And when we were there a couple of years ago, I mean, there, there are TSA kinds of people everywhere. There's, uh, you, if you take a train from uh, Xi'an out to a national park, uh, when you get off and back on, there's guards there, and they they patch you down. You know, they put you through the uh, metal detector, and and one of the guards, uh, she wanted to know what was in my pocket, and didn't speak English, and so she used her her stick and was tapping on my pocket. And I took it out, and she said, "Open it up," and I said, "It's lady, it's a it's a wallet." And I opened it up and closed it back up, and then I was walking away, and I kind of peeked back and. The two women guards were, they were laughing. They thought it was really funny. They got this <laughs> big American to open up his wallet. <laughs> they wanted to see how much cash you had, Doc. <laughs> yeah, they wanted to see, and there wasn't anything in there. So then they were like, we're not interested. Forget it. <laughs> <laughs> Who's next? So, Who's next? But, you know, you, 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 you have to understand that they have problems, too. Well, anyway, the Uyghurs, uh, some of the Uyghurs, like some of the Muslims in different parts of the world have been terrorists. And so they have been isolating the Uyghurs in the, in this Northwestern uh, province of China provinces, uh, like a state for the Chinese. And uh, they've even started uh, internment camps for those who are uh, really troublemakers and kind of forced labor camps, uh, you know, kind of like uh, prison work, details and so the world is looking at that and saying hey you know you're doing this to these people and there's no due process and you're saying they're they're terrorists but you really don't have any proof that you're showing the rest of us and this isn't right this is a violation of human rights and you've signed on to these accords the geneva accords and so on and so forth and you're violating that and so we have to look at that and say you know what that is something that needs to be uh, brought to the attention of the world, and and the Chinese need to be called out on that. Uh, it's it's necessary that we continue to pressure the Chinese to move towards uh, democracy, and they've come a long way, you know, from when Mao was killing people in the in the forties and fifties, mass murdering millions and millions of Chinese uh, in the name of his. Uh, his philosophy, which was Maoism, you know, it was supposedly it was uh, Marxism, but uh, I think it was more about Mao than anything. And it, no doubt about it, Mao was a good, good military man. He drove the, the Japanese out, but not without our help. You know that it was, if it wasn't for England and Britain, uh, the United States and Great Britain, the Chinese would have had a much longer, harder fight. But we helped them. We we helped the Chinese drive the Japanese out, and we fought the Japanese from from east uh, to west, and the Chinese from west to east, and, uh, you know, we defeated the Japanese that way, and the, the, it was a joint effort between uh, a number of countries, uh, including China and the United States. So we've uh, done some things together, and they're not totally uh, uh, beholden to us, but to some degree they are, and we've helped build their economy, and so now, now that they are basically a first world country, or they're moving fast towards that. It's uh, incumbent upon them that they uh, listen to us, and just as we will listen to them, and that they open up and be uh, more democratic, that they have a legal system that is more just, and, and by just I mean more law-abiding, 
you know, justice for most people means what they think is fair, and that's not what justice is. Justice is a rule of law and following those laws. So we'll see what happens, but the Uyghurs are having a hard time, and uh, after we take a little little coffee break here, I'll tell you about a doctor who's been incarcerated because of her family uh, leading protests in the United States against the uh, the atrocities that are seemingly being committed against the uh, the Uyghurs in China, and, and these are these are Muslims. Uh, and remember, China is basically uh, a religious. I mean, they do have religion. There are Buddhists, there's Christians, there's Muslims, there's all kinds of people. But you you have to be a little bit um, you have to be quiet about it. You can't. You can't uh, practice your religion openly and make a big deal out of it. And so, there, by the way, there's a big Muslim community in Xi'an, which is the old capital, and that's about 150 miles south of the Gobi Desert in, in sort of central China. And so there's a, a, a community that goes back a thousand years. It's Muslim there, and they have their markets and their restaurants and all of the things that you would expect to see when you went to a Muslim country. And we, we toured through there with our guide and, and he explained to us that uh, as long as they didn't kick up, you know, didn't do anything crazy or uh, uh, any terrorist acts or try to push their religion on other people, that they were welcome and full citizens. But once they got into it with the government, then they got shipped out to the Northwest province with the other Muslims who are sort of under wraps there. So it's a, it's a interesting situation. And, uh, we, we do have a duty to stand up and say, Hey, this isn't right guys. And with that, I'm going to take a little, a little coffee break and you go and do what you have to do. My friend, I'll be right back. I am Dr. Bill, your radio MD. SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. British Prime Minister Boris Johnson is warning that more onerous lockdown restrictions in England are likely as the country suffers from a new vir- uh, var- variant rather, of the coronavirus that has seen infection rates soar to their highest recorded levels. The UK is in the midst of an acute outbreak, recording more than 50,000 new coronavirus infections a day over the past five days. Johnson laid out hope today that tens of millions of people will have been vaccinated against the virus over the coming three months. He says he has no doubt that schools are safe, though teachers disagree. Congress preparing to convene for a new session. Lawmakers sworn into office during a tumultuous period when they gathered today. Nancy Pelosi is set to be reelected as the House Speaker by fellow Democrats. And officials say a plane has landed at the airport in Yemen's southern port city of Aden for the first time since a deadly missile attack there last week. This is SRN News. Dr. Bill for Bay Area Medical, located at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Pete. 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. Full service clinic with x-ray, heart imaging, ultrasound, stress testing, and minor surgery. We provide quality health care in a warm and friendly atmosphere. We are multilingual, well-trained, and certified. Most American insurance and new patients accepted. Bay Area Medical, home of CanCare, 727-384-6411. 
877-387-6411. Dr. Bill here. With social distancing and sheltering in place, telemedicine is here. Bay Area Medical Home of Can Care Clinic offers telemedicine for new and established patients. You can see me without an office visit. Schedule an appointment at 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. When it's time for your appointment, type this web address into your cell phone or computer web browser, doxy.me forward slash Bay Area Med. A cell phone works well and is all you really need. For computers, you need a web camera and speakers. We'll give you this address when you call for your appointment. We accept most insurances and travel insurances. Canadians and visitors, please call your travel insurance company for an authorization number prior to the visit. Co-pays and deductibles apply. Self-pay rates are available. Just ask. We accept credit cards, PayPal, and Stripe. 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. Hello, this is Dr. Bill Handelman for our good friends at Tampa Bay Imaging. TBI provides state-of-the-art MRI and CT scanning with the lowest radiation possible. Most insurance plans accepted and self-pay rates are very competitive. TBI is conveniently located in Tampa and St. Pete with evening and weekend appointments. So call TBI today or ask your doctor. In Tampa, call 813-386-3674. St. Pete, call 727-545-9674. Balance of nature is fruits and vegetables in a capsule. Changing the world one life at a time. Being a truck driver, I don't always eat right. And it kind of balances out my natural body mechanisms and gives me a lot of energy. And I just recently went to the doctor to do a bunch of tests. And what was amazing, just like other people have said uh, in their advertisements, is the first question was, what are you doing? I've never seen such good blood work. You are perfect. And so I told her this balance in nature. And I said, you really need to look it up because it works. So my checkup was excellent. So I'm just thrilled. I am really happy. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Call 1-800-2468-751 or go to balanceofnature.com and use discount code results take am 860 the answer with you wherever you go with our mobile app the answer tampa.com alexa tune in iheart and at radio.com the fighting spirit of the marine corps is born of battles won battles won within over enemies of fear enemies of doubt it's who we are it's what we do it's a promise made to you for more than two centuries a promise of the Marines. Here is your exclusive AccuWeather forecast. Today will be cloudy, not as warm with a brief shower or too high, 67. Tonight, mainly clear and cooler, low 51. Sunny on Monday, expect a high of 65. Clear Monday night, low 48. Tuesday, plenty of sunshine, expect a high of 68. Wednesday, sunny and nice, high 70. That's your AccuWeather forecast. I'm Chris Morelli for AM860, The Answer. It's gonna be a Funky New Year. Funky New Year. Got to be a Funky New Year. We got a Funky New Year coming, guys. I'm thinking it's going to be better than last. I hope it is. Get the vaccine going. How we doing, Brian? Good? 
We are. We're good. We're good. We're cruising through. We got about eh, about what twenty five minutes left in the show today. Very good. We were talking uh, in the first part of the show about the vaccine, and I really do encourage everybody that can get in the queue to get in the queue and get it as soon as possible, and don't be afraid of it. Now we started talking about China and the problems with the Uyghur, Uyghurs, Uyghurs, and the Chinese uh, stepping on the Uyghurs and internment camps, and it's starting to sound kind of like, uh, well, fascism, which is basically what what China is now. It's a fascist state, and people say, "What is fascism?" My son says, "You're a fascist, Dad." He doesn't know. Fascism is a one-party state where there's a strong man at the top. Uh, so there you go. You have a one-party state with uh, President Xi at the top. And you have free enterprise, but free enterprise that the state allows. And the state can take a stake in it, as they have in China. So all the big companies, the, uh, the government has a stake in it. And they also own all the land. You can own your house, but the land is... Uh, leased to you for a period of time. So the state owns everything. Now, in fascism in Europe, you could own your own property, uh, but you could not manufacture anything that you wanted. You had to get approval from the government to start manufacturing, and the government wanted you to do certain things. So if you were an airplane manufacturer, you know, they would bring plans to you and say, we want this. And of course, you, you did your due diligence and your research, but that's what fascism is. It's a one-party state with a strong man at the top and a lot of restrictions on what kind of free enterprise you can have. Does that sound like any state in the United States that we know of? Hmm. What do you think? California? Yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah, that's a democratic state, strongly democratic, uh, with a strong man at the top. There's a innumerable restrictions on what businesses you can and cannot start there. And a lot of it rotates around ostensibly uh, ecological concerns, but we know that uh, there's a lot of hanky-panky going on there and that companies uh, and uh, individuals like Nancy Pelosi's uh, real estate company, her husband has been doing deals with the Chinese. So they'll pass a law in Sacramento that will, uh, make it illegal to mine, say, lithium. And so then that land is that, that somebody bought on speculation is sold dirt cheap uh, to, guess who? <laughs> Chinese companies. And then you can change the laws to make it legal. <laughs> so then you also get a stake in that company like Hunter Biden has done. And, uh, hey, you get to double dip. You can buy and sell real estate, make money off of it, and you get a cut of the action. So, you know, people like Nancy Pelosi and her family are extremely wealthy from manipulating the system. And that's because it's fascism. They can do that if you have a single party system. So that's what we want to uh, fight against. And we have to be very careful here. Hopefully the Senate won't go Democratic if it does. You know, we're all in a, in a world of hurt. And you know, you can see the uh, arrogance and the, uh, what's the word, tenacity of the Chinese uh, by saying that they own the Sea of China. What do you mean you own the Sea of China? It's a, it's a shipping lane that's been open for thousands of years to uh, whoever. 
Uh, of course, the Chinese have been claiming it's theirs for a few thousand years. And they also claim the Taiwan Straits. Now, you know Taiwan is an island off of southern China, and it is Chinese. And after the Civil War was over and, and Mao won in the 40s, 1940s, Chiang Kai-shek and his group went to Taiwan, and they hunkered down there. And he was a dictator, but it's evolved into a democracy. And the Taiwanese say they're not part of China. They're an independent state. China says, oh, no, you're part of us. And by the way, the Straits of Taiwan, which is the body of water between China and the island of Taiwan, the Chinese say that's their body of water, too. So we, uh, we sent last week, we sent two um, Burke-class guided missile destroyers, the USS John McCain and Curtis Wilbur, on a routine uh, mission through the Taiwan Straits in accordance with international law. And that was to demonstrate our commitment to free and open Indo-Pacific uh, waterways. And the same thing, uh, we've done that in the Sea of China, which is uh, at the very southern part of the country. Uh, and it is surrounded by a number of, of countries, including the Philippines and Japan's on the north and Taiwan's nearby. and uh, Vietnam and um, the the Indo-Chinese uh, countries that border that area, and the Chinese are building islands and setting up military bases because they want to control traffic through there. Now, guess what, Brian? Fifty percent of the world's shipping goes through that area. Fifty percent. Wow. And so if they get control of that, well, they can start taxing and they can say, well, you know, you're creating an ecological hazard here. So you got to pay because you're still running diesel fuel. And, and then if they don't like you, if they get into a, a spitting contest with the United States, they can say, well, we're not letting your ships come through at all. So we've got a big problem here with the Chinese and it's not it's nothing to sniff at. And I just hope that Biden and his team, I don't know how how uh, committed they are to a free America and, and uh, a strong America. I don't know if they're really on board with that yet, but hopefully they will be. Hopefully they'll see the uh, the wisdom in, in what Trump has done and what his people have done over the past four years. And, uh, you know, if they don't, well, then we'll see how it pans out. Hopefully in the midterm election, the, the House will go Demo will go Republican and the Senate, if it's Democratic at, at the end of uh, this coming week, then hopefully it'll go back Republican and, and we can have some uh, we can have some some say so and, and block some of this craziness that the Democrats want to implement. Now, the Chinese have, have got to be shown that they, they cannot take over the world and do what they want. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to live under Gavin Newsom. I don't want to live in a one-party state where somebody's telling me that I can't go out of my house. I, I mean, I'm I'm just I don't want it, and I don't want to be told I can't go to church, even though I'm not a church-going person. You know, I'm not big on religion, uh, but uh, if you are, uh, then I I say you go, and I would fight for your right to continue to go to church and to believe the things you believe in. And so we have to stand up to the Chinese. And and the Chinese are all upset about this. You know, they're saying that it was provocative and the United States is, you know, trying to tweak their nose and all this. And so, I, you know, I'm, uh, I don't care. Let them say it. Now, also, you remember a few months ago when 
the Democrats were yelling that uh, the Russians were paying a bounty to kill American soldiers in Afghanistan. You remember that, Brian? I do, I do. Yeah, it was a big story. Okay, well, it turns out it wasn't the Russians. The Democrats made that up, too. It was the Chinese. So Trump's going to declassify intel that the Chinese paid for attacks on U.S. soldiers. And you'd, you'd say, well, why, why would they do that? It doesn't make sense. Well, they don't want us in the area. You know, they don't want us anywhere around. And Afghanistan borders China. Pakistan and Afghanistan are right on the western border of China. So they're right close there. And they don't want us to have a base in that area. Well, they already got problems because <clears throat> they can't go north because you got Russia. And they can't go south because you got India, which is the third largest military force in the world now after the United States and, and China. And so you don't want to pick a fight with those guys, even though they're trying. But uh, the prime minister of India, the Chinese started making inroads in, into the northern border in the Nepal and Tibet area up in that up in the in the Himalayas, and so he sent forces up there and backed them down. You know, and that's what you got to do. I mean, you know, it's like a bully. If you don't go out and, and and beat the crap out of the bully and let him know that he can't pick on everybody smaller than him, then guess what? He's going to keep on picking on him. That's just human nature. That's human nature that there's always going to be. Uh, that one bully in the gang that's going to cause trouble, and so we have to uh, we have to stand up to the Chinese, and I hope that the Democrats will do that. I hope they won't back down and try and de-escalate the uh, the uh, uh, the confrontation, which is peaceful at this point, uh, between the United States and China, and let the Chinese know that they can't run riot, and we're not going to let them do that, and, and not only. Uh, militarily, but also economically, we can't let them take over the world economy. There are a lot of reasons, uh, <clears throat> the main one being that we don't want a, a world that's ruled by fascists. We fought them in the 40s, uh, in, in the 1940s in Europe and in Asia, because basically Japan was a fascist state too. They were a one-party state with a strong man at the top, Tojo. And we know what a disaster that was for the world. And so, for that reason, we should fight, but we should also fight because economic freedom is important. It's important that we have free enterprise around the world, and the best way to ensure peace around the world is to have free trade, is to have open and free trade between nations. Nothing brings us closer together than trade, because that's where we learn about each other, share our goods. Uh, interact, um, share culture, share money, uh, learn how to work with each other in constructive ways and not destructive ways. And, and by the way, this has been going on for centuries. You know the Delft pottery that comes out of Holland? You know that, Brian? You remember the, those blue plates with the, little, uh, uh, with the little dikes and windmills on them and all that? Oh, yeah, 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 I do. Uh-huh. So the proofs for those were made in in Holland back in the 16th and 17th century. They would make the proofs, and guess where they shipped them to be manufactured? Where's that? China. Of course. Of course. So this is, this is, none of this is new. This is all old stuff. And the same fights have been going on forever and ever. And so we have a duty to stand up and make sure that we can continue to trade with the Chinese in an open and honest way 
and that we can continue to use the waterways that have been open to the world for off and on for millennia, and that the Chinese start moving more towards uh, a democracy and a rule of law that uh, respects minorities as well as the majority. And so we have to push for that. So the president's going to declassify this before uh, he gets out of office. And, uh, you know, I don't know how much effect it will have. I hope that people will listen. Uh, I think that he's putting pressure on the incoming uh, regime to try and stick to, uh, in some sense, in some way, the course that he has started. And, I mean, let's face it, this guy has changed the course of foreign policy in the United States, much the way Woodrow Wilson changed it at the beginning of the 20th century, the exact same era. You know, he was in power from, what, 1912 to 1920, I believe, or uh, that era there, during World War One, And he basically set the... The, uh, the diplomatic and foreign policy of the United States for the next hundred years. And along comes Trump, and he's shaking it up, and he's changing it. Of course, people don't like change. It's hard for them, especially those who are deeply embedded and deeply established in, in, the, uh, in the hierarchy and the power uh, makeup of the country, the oligarchy, the, uh, you know, the Bidens and the Clintons and so on and so forth. And, uh, but, you know, you got to shake it up, man. Occasionally, you got to come down the pike and uh, uh, rattle everything and, and, and get the new jalopy up and going and get the old one out of the way. Get rid of the Model T and bring on the T-Bird, so to speak. So we'll see how that happens. And we've, we've got the same thing happening right now in the auto industry. Look at all the electric cars and electric car companies coming out. I see where, is it Apple that they're talking about making an electric car or, or uh, Amazon or somebody is talking about it. So I think it's Apple. I think that they said that they wanted to that's their next thing. So I guess they're done making cell phones and and iPads. They're moving on to the big stuff now and trying to make cars. And I don't know what's what's next after that. The iCar. I, I don't know what they'll call it, but imagine that the iCar. <laughs> and with all the technology they have, you know, they can pack all that in and it'd be uh, it would be a, a real slick uh, deal. But, uh, have you been inside of a Tesla? Have you ridden in one? No, 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 I haven't. Have you? They're pretty slick. They're pretty slick. And now, did you see where Ford's coming out with all of their uh, signature cars or their their Expedition and their Explorer and the, the uh, Mustang? They're all going to be electric within the next several years. Oh, wow. So things change, and we got to shake it up. Is it still uh, a muscle car, though, Doc, if it's electric? Oh, yeah. Oh, it'll be even faster. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> it just won't make any noise, you know. So no, no muscle. It, it, it's not gonna. It's not gonna go. It's gonna go. <laughs> so, uh, but but that, listen, you know the original Teslas, the first model they came out with, the little sports car. They set the speed limit, the top speed limit on it, at 126 miles an hour. If they had not done that, you could have taken that thing over 200 miles an hour easily. But you couldn't have controlled it. That's a problem. So they have to put a governor on these things because it, it's an infinite. You know, it's not like a um, it's it's not like a combustion engine, which is uh, uh, um, how should I say it is analog versus digital. And analog comes in in bits and pieces, and digital is almost a continuum. So in theory, an electric motor. Uh, could, if you feed it more and more energy, it could spin faster and faster 
uh, for eternity. Coarse friction and, and, and other uh, phenomena, gravity are going to break it down eventually. But those little motors, you know, if you get a big enough one and you put enough juice to it, you can go as fast as you want. Oh yeah, and you see some of the stuff they do out in uh, in Germany on those on the on the freeways out there. I mean, they cruise yeah. at like two hundred, like it's nothing. Well, that's two hundred kilometers per hour, so that's that's uh, that's one hundred and twenty uh, miles per hour. But they do do that. We were we've driven on the autobahn a couple of times. We we took a ride from uh, from northern Germany to one of the little uh, one of the little. Interesting resort towns, uh, tourist towns. It's not that little, but it has an old castle that's famous, and we did that, and it was about an hour and a half, two-hour ride on the on the interstate there. Looks a lot like the United States, to tell you the truth, hmm. uh, in northern Germany. Southern Germany looks a little different than uh, – it looks more like the Appalachians. You know, you've got mountains and, and hills and all that, but northern Germany looks a lot like Kentucky with rolling hills and – green pastures and farmland, at least in the summer. In the winter, I'm sure it's all snow, but still, it's 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 phenomenal how similar we are to those guys. At any rate, so we, we have problems with China, and then we have the, uh, the Uyghur doctor who has been arrested. She was a retired doctor, and her name is, let me see if I can find that for you. Her name is... Gulshan Abbas. Gulshan Abbas. She was a Uyghur doctor from northwest China's Xinjiang province, Uyghur province, autonomous region. They have autonomous regions for uh, for different uh, ethnic groups, and they leave them alone as long as they obey and follow some rules. Apparently, there's some friction there. And so what happened is this uh, this female doctor who was retired has been missing for 27 months, and her family finally found out that she's in prison, and she was in prison for inciting terrorism, breaking their terrorism laws. Why? The family says because they have been involved, and they're here in the United States, and they're citizens here, and they've been involved in groups that have been critical of the Chinese treatment of the Uyghurs and of the Muslims in northwestern China. So, so and now we don't know where the truth lies, but let's just assume that uh, Gulshan Abbas was a, a, a reputable doctor who retired and um, she was just living out her life and, and doing what old women do, sitting around and chit-chatting and, you know, gossiping and, and in that respect probably causing trouble because that's just the nature of the, of the beast. But uh, the family said there was no problems with her until they started these protests in the United States. And so one of the children, the daughter, says, my mom is a medical professional, a non-political kind of person who has spent her life helping people. And the charges against her are preposterous, as well as the lack of any evidence of media coverage, the fact that the trial was, as far as we know, closed in the highly unusual speed of, of the hearing. So we have a doctor, and of course, as a doctor, I have to stand up for my fellow doctors and say, you know, this isn't right, that that the Chinese need to open up and be honest and not punish families there for something families do here. Does that sound reasonable? I think it is. So at any rate, 
We're getting close to the end of the show, and don't forget we've got the gel study going on. I'm at 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411, and you can join my antifungal nail gel study free. You can also have a telemedicine visit with me, same number, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. I am Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. Thanks, Brian, and we'll see everybody next week.